details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. up yes oh man it's uh, raining again apparently i i understand that this is actually a desert that i live in but apparently not must must be that global warming huh I guess that's why it's uh, it's it's March. It's the middle of March, and it's 52 degrees outside at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. That that makes sense. That's more of that global warming. Can't wait. Bring it on. Yeah. No one has seen hide nor hair of Al Gore in the better part of weeks, months. He's completely disappeared. Well, I don't blame him. I would have, too. Well, welcome in. It's another edition of Michael Graff in Exile for a Tuesday, March 9th, 2010. We broadcast to you from this, America's fifth largest city, Phoenix, Arizona. That's where this podcast emanates from. Our palatial and mostly clean studios. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address should you want to make a most generous contribution to this program. AOL Instant Messenger, if you ever want to leave us a message, some uh, feedback, you want more of my instantaneous response, or relatively speaking, anytime you hear this podcast, you can always send me a message to Michael Groff Show. I may not be here to answer it 24-7, although I really don't have much of a life, so... Chances are I will. 
And of course, you can join us on our IRC channel. EFNet IRC Net Radio is the place to go there. All of our other contact information and a whole lot more available at michaelgroff.com. So you can hang out there. No, I did not do any any podcast last week. You know, this it's a whole thing. I uh <laughs> I don't really have any particular reason. I, I guess I just wasn't really feeling all that motivated. That's the weird thing about not having a regularly scheduled show and a regularly scheduled time to do things. Now that I'm just sort of doing these podcasts sort of extemporaneously. I, my goal initially when I started doing these four months ago was I was going to do them every single day. But again, I talk about this almost all the time. It's like a regular thing. I, I feel... I feel like I should have to apologize to the audience for not delivering every single day. Now you can see exactly why I don't have a subscription-based service because then I would just feel the perpetual need to have to perform for you. I would feel the need to have to do a five-hour podcast every single day. And there's just no way. But it's not for lack of wanting to talk about things. There's so many things that have gone on. There's so much that I have to get into. It's just, it's like literally an avalanche of stuff. I have so many things here. I, uh, I've loaded up. I, I have a, a whole like uh, Word document of things that I have a whole bunch of other notes that I've taken. I have just a pile of stuff I want to get to. But I think the first thing that I should get to, it's sort of a mandatory rite of passage of the show that I do every single year the day or two days after the Academy Awards, first weekend of March or whenever they do that every single year. So I know it's, it's about time to talk about it. Now, anyone that knows me, they roll their eyes about this time of year in anticipation of my rant. Or people that have listened to this show for any length of time, you know my feeling on award shows, particularly the Academy Awards. So people are already getting ready to just sort of, eh, here he goes again. So I get it. But for the sake of tradition, this would be the 10th year in a row on this show that I've done this rant. And you'll have to forgive me because it's just something I don't quite get. In the unlikely event that there is a god or grand architect of the universe and I get to ask him, her, it questions about the intricacies and mysteries of life, inevitably the first few hundred questions will probably deal with women. But then after that, I'm sure my next question will be, why the hell does anybody care about the Oscars? Now, understand that I think it's wonderful that ABC took a four and a half hour block of time and devoted it to the underappreciated television demographic of retired people, women, and homosexual males. Because as we know, ABC certainly doesn't have enough programming that covers that key demo. But I'd like to know why anyone cares what a bunch of rich, famous, and or pretentious people think about another group of rich, famous, and or pretentious people. It's a self-aggrandizing, self-important bore fest that takes up four and a half hours of very valuable airtime that could be used for anything else. As far as I know, the Oscars have had declining ratings over the last several years. And while I don't know the ratings for this most recent edition, I have to imagine that they were still way too high for me to conceive of. Like anything over about five people watching just boggles my mind. Obviously, if you're in the movie business or you're interested in getting into the movie business, maybe you care. Obviously, if your life is extremely empty and you have nothing else to fill it up with, maybe you care about the goings-on in other people's existence. 
Or if you're one of those homosexual males or a Gabby chick that just loves to gossip about other celebrities and what they're wearing and what they're into and who they're dating, then maybe the show is geared for you. So I guess I get it from that perspective. I only know one straight male that watches the Oscars. And again, he falls into the demographic of somebody that's interested in the movie business. And the whole thing is an incestuous bunch of nonsense anyway, where they give their friends, their pals, the awards for their accomplishments. Unreal. And of course, the people that deserve the real accolades, like the lighting guys that Christian Bale yells at, or the sound guy, or the guy that scores the movie, or the people that are playing the instruments on the movie score, or any one of the thousands of other cast that make the movie possible and barely so much as get a very small five-point little mention at the end of the movie in the credits, those are the people that should really be on these award shows getting the accolades. But, of course, some woman in Des Moines, Iowa, doesn't want to see that. She wants to see Sandra Bullock or some fat woman named Monique get up there and receive an award. That person doesn't care how the movie is made. They don't care how the movie is edited. They don't care how the sound is produced. They don't care how it's scored. They just want to see the star give their speech. So anyone else that might get the accolades, if they do get them, it's never seen on TV or it's just, well, sort of brushed by. They're rushed on the stage and rushed off the stage in a great big group and no one ever gets any FaceTime. Well, that's just reason number 5,374 why I hate the Academy Awards or any award show for that matter. And logically, the thing that makes the least amount of sense about the Academy Awards is that the movie that made the most money is not the movie that won the most awards. Avatar has made more money than any other film in U.S. history, and yet somehow it's not the one that's taking home the most awards. That's like if you have two sales guys Sales guy A sells 100 units, sales guy B sells 10 units in a month, and sales guy B is the guy that's given the employee of the month award. How does that make sense? It should all be about production. It should all be about results because that's what life is really about. If you're having an award ceremony, which is centered around the business of making a movie, the movie industry, then maybe you should reward the movie that does the best, the movie that makes it possible for you to continue making movies. Then again, I guess I'm interjecting logic into an otherwise illogical business. These are a bunch of artsy people judging another group of artsy people. Now, I consider myself artsy in a sense. I'm a musician. But if I was going to have a music award show, for example, and I was going to set up an album of the year category in various genres of music, I probably wouldn't give album of the year to the guy that sold five copies, even if I personally thought the album was great. Because it's all about results. Results are what matter. Now, while all of that is kind of infuriating about the whole thing, I think the more annoying aspect to the Academy Awards are people that have Oscar parties. Yeah, just like you'd have a party for a major sporting event like the Super Bowl or Game 7 of the World Series, people actually have Oscar parties. Outside of a celebrity in Hollywood, you can imagine the type of person that has an Oscar party in the first place. And typically it's some middle-aged suburbanite yuppie housewife that runs up her poor husband's Amex card to have the gaggle of hens over at the house where they can throw down boxes of Godiva and comment on poor Monique or James Cameron or Jeff Bridges or Sandra Bullock and what she's wearing or any one of the hundreds of other storylines that surround the Academy Awards. Now, of course, that would be bad enough. 
But then the other part of the Academy Awards that's even worse, and I'm sure if you have an Oscar party, you probably are well aware of this. Just like with a sporting event, there's a pre and post show. Now, I'm not sure if it went down in this manner this year, but Ryan Seacrest was the host of the Oscar party on ABC before. Oh, my God. Really? And you're still going to try and tell me that this guy's not gay, huh? Okay. Listen, that's fine. But then to make matters worse, other channels have their own Oscar festivities. And, of course, what I want to focus on is the one red carpet event hosted by Joan Rivers. The few of you that may know who she is, you're doing a double take saying, really, Joan Rivers is still on TV? Yes, that's right. America's gem of the 19th century makes her triumphant TV return to host the red carpet event and ask people such biting questions as, so who are you wearing? Oh God, your hair looks awful. I realize they're paying Joan Rivers to have an opinion, but really, who is Joan Rivers to give her opinion on what somebody else looks like? I'm pretty sure most of the hypodermic needles that have washed up on America's shorelines over the last 20 years are the net result of Joan Rivers' Botox injections. I'd just love even one of these celebrities to turn around and say, who the F are you to critique me, Joan? You've had more injections, surgeries, and augments than the $6 million man, and you're going to tell me my hair looks awful? As I recall, Joan Rivers was on vacation not too long ago in the Caribbean someplace. I can't remember what island, Hispaniola, whatever. It's really not that important. And she tried to board the plane and had a little bit of trouble, and so she raised hell. Probably what wound up happening was one of the security officers thought she was a Cylon that was trying to take over the damn plane and wouldn't let her on. The chemical-sniffing dogs probably got a hold of all the rat poison that's been injected into her face and probably thought that she was a toxic health hazard to anybody that was boarding. I think Rosie O'Donnell or Star Jones would be better suited to judge what people look like than Joan Rivers. I mean, at least the woman's honest. We'll have to give her that much. But maybe she should look in a mirror once in a while. Of course, then again, I guess that's probably why she's had all the plastic surgeries because she kept looking in the mirror and said, Oh my God, it's a wrinkle. Listen, just so you know, Joan, wrinkles are a natural part of getting old. It's okay. It happens to all of us. Now, I'm not really sure how Joan Rivers got to be famous in the first place. As far as I can tell, she was a stand-up comedian at one point. I don't know. Maybe she was doing a celebrity roast for Grover Cleveland at his inauguration party or something like that. And I know in the era of moving pictures, she was actually on TV for a time, I I guess. I'm sure those films are probably locked away in the Smithsonian as antique artifacts, though. I guess for a time, Johnny Carson liked Joan Rivers and would have her fill in for him on The Tonight Show. And that's pretty much what he would always do is take lesser talent and fill in for him because that way he was never in any danger of being replaced by the people that were subbing for him while he was on vacation. Hell, that's how we got stuck with Jay Leno in the first place. Ugh. But I guess the bottom line to all this was, I just don't think Joan Rivers is really all that qualified to comment on somebody else's appearance. I mean, the only person that would probably be even less qualified to do so is, well, me. That's pretty much the gist of what I was getting at here. I guess it's pretty plainly obvious why I don't really care for the Academy Awards or any real award show for that matter. Just way too much pomp and circumstance for something that's largely unimportant to the betterment of society or for even the betterment of television. And there it is, my little five or ten minute spiel on the Academy Awards. And provided that I'm still drawing a breath about 365 days from now, well, then I'll just come back and do it again next year. And listen, even if I'm not, the good news is you could just use this 
or any of my nine other rants on the Academy Awards and just plug in different names or probably even the same ones because I'm sure they'll all still be around next year and plug it back in again. Now, I do have things that are a little bit more important, a little bit more pressing that need to be brought up on the show today. So we're going to get to those. We have to talk about Eric Massa, Democrat Party defect. Well, not officially a defect, but he's certainly being ousted by the party. And we're going to talk about that. We actually have a couple of different things that he has talked about, what the big scandal is surrounding him, why it is that he now feels he is being ousted and it has nothing to do with his sexual harassment case. Naturally, that all ties into the health care discussion. We have a new poll out about health care. And as it turns out, well, again, Americans are overwhelmingly rejecting the Obama health care plan. But once again, you're not hearing about that on the major networks. You're not hearing about that, uh, certainly on the Democrat talking point radio. But it's something that we're going to talk about. So stick around for that. The guy that got off the metro rail in D.C. and then tried to shoot up the Pentagon well, probably should get into that sometime today. If we don't do that story today, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that tomorrow because that is big stuff. Plus a lot of stupid news and a whole bunch of other stuff that I absolutely must address and will do so. It's Michael Graff in exile for a Tuesday. More coming up. We'll be back. You come to me with scars on your wrist You tell me this will be the last night Feeling like this I just came to say goodbye Didn't want you to see me cry I'm fine But I know it's alright It's just that last night you spend alone Look me in the eyes so I know you know Segment number two, Michael Graff in exile for a Tuesday. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address for your donations to this fine program. To light my pockets, ladies and gentlemen. Or something. We're also on AOL Instant Messenger. You can always send a message. Uh, Michael Groff Show is the screen name over there. And, of course, EFNet IRC. Net Radio is uh, the channel. And all of our contact information and more is always available at michaelgroff.com. Well, we've got more scandal going on in the Democratic Party. This is great. First of all, I have to talk about this. Apparently, another Democrat had a little bit of a problem using their TurboTax or figuring out 
that if you own property, you actually do have to pay taxes on it. I know this is apparently a problem for our uh, our Treasury Secretary. It's been a problem uh, for others in the Obama administration. It's now a problem for the Ways and Means Committee Chairman. I know, believe it or not, if you make money in the United States, you have to pay taxes on it. And if you're the guy that's in charge of the money, you probably should be setting a good example by paying your taxes. Maybe if you're on the Ways and Means Committee, and again, the Ways and Means Committee writes the tax laws, you'd think that the person that chairs that committee would probably know that if you own property, and it's a little bit more complicated a story than just that, but I think that somebody would probably clue that guy in. So we'll have to get into that a little bit later on. But first, before I get to that, you knew I was going to talk about this. The Eric Massa. Eric Massa is, uh, well, this is a very interesting story. He is a congressman. He's a freshman congressman from New York. He's a Democrat. And get this, he's opposed to the Obamacare plan. He's been opposed for the entire time. Now, he's not necessarily against a universal health care plan of some sort or another, but he is certainly not for the type of plan that's out there right now, and he is not in favor of the way that the Democrats are pushing this through and sort of subverting law and going around it. We really, we haven't been, uh, we haven't done a podcast in a while, so I haven't even talked about um, the reconciliation, the nuclear option that uh, the Obama administration is now basically going to, and how uh, we, we have to talk about how the parliamentarian is going to ultimately determine what aspects of this health care fit into a budget part of the reconciliation, what parts of it will not, thereby making it so uh, whether or not the Barack Obama administration can actually go ahead and push this through, we'll see. But that's another topic probably for another day. What I want to talk about is that Eric Massa managed to get out a great big stick and he is stirring the pot big time with that. And what he's doing now is, first of all, he dared to question the Democrat Party and, uh, well, a little scandal managed to show up. Now, this is a, it's actually a bigger scandal than you might think. Here's what happened. New Year's Eve, Eric Massa attended a wedding. And uh, you can imagine a New Year's Eve wedding. The drinks were flowing. I mean, that alcohol was flowing like liquor at a Texas barbecue. And people were getting a little bit crazy. It was getting rowdy. And uh, Massa was there. He was drinking. He was uh, there with one of his staff aides. And... They were drinking. They were just having a great old time. Everybody's partying. And the staffer says to Eric Massey, makes a sort of a lewd comment about uh, some of the bridesmaids. And they have a little bit of a banter back and forth. Just so you know, ladies, yeah, uh, we even at weddings, uh, we pretty much do comment on all the bridesmaids and we still make our lewd comments. I mean, it does happen. This is not something that's really, uh, I don't see it as necessarily a bad thing. They were just having a little bit of guy talk. But then it turned a little weird. So the staffer says to Massa, hey, man, you, you ought to go and chase after uh, 
one of these chicks. Actually, he, he didn't say Chase. He said, why don't you just go and uh, you should really go and F one of those bridesmaids. So then Eric Massa fires back. He, he grabs the guy. And of course, again, let's keep in mind they're drunk. And he goes, what I really should be doing, he goes, I should really be effing you. And he takes the guy and he tossles his hair. And that's, uh, that's a little bit of a hello Frisco moment. But that was it. At least according to Eric Massa and according to, well, uh, according to the accounts that have been presented of this story. However, that staffer then later decided to file a sexual harassment case against Massa. Now, um, I've been to several weddings. I haven't been to one relatively. Well, let's see. The last one I was at, I think, was in 2004. And I've been to weddings, and it gets a little bit crazy sometimes at the reception. Everybody's having a good time. People are drinking. It's a party atmosphere. And I've never really gotten drunk, but I've seen people get a little bit wasted. I, I've seen it happen. Even in a non-wedding situation, even in a, in a regular party atmosphere, where I've been more liquored up than Amy Winehouse at a frat party, I uh, still have never once turned to one of my male friends and said, well, I really like you. <laughs> oh, I, really, I really like it. F you, man. <laughs> and you know what's funny is none of my male friends have ever done that to me, fortunately. Because that would just be a little bit weird. Anyway, uh, it's never happened. So I, I don't know. I guess you'd have to be pretty damn drunk to say that. Or maybe you, as we all know, alcohol is truth serum. Maybe the guy is a little bit light in the loafers. I don't know. I don't know if he's actually come out of the closet and said that he's gay. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. It doesn't matter to me if he is. The point is that um, he's ne I've never. I've never seen that kind of behavior myself, but... If that's what you do, then fine. Um, but just know that if you're a congressman, chances are you're probably going to get in a little bit of trouble. So now there's a, a, a congressional ethics committee that is investigating this situation. And the Democrats have since sort of forced Eric Massa out of the party. It's very interesting that they're sort of forcing him out of the party, particularly when he's been a, well, he's been an opponent to their health care bill. You can imagine they'd probably be standing behind him right now if he was for the Obamacare bill, don't you think? Yeah, it sounds a little bit conspiratorialist, but I think there's there's some truth to what the guy's saying. Now, it's too bad that his credibility is a little bit in question because he is under this investigation. Whether it, the story ended there or whether or not the story continues, whether or not there was a little bit more than just that, maybe there was a little grab ass going on, I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't say for sure, but there is some sort of an investigation. It's too bad that a disgraced congressman, uh, and I use the word disgraced in quotes, it's too bad that a disgraced congressman is the guy that's stepping up and saying that the Obama administration is going to do anything and everything they can to ram this bill through. But that's not all Eric Massa has to say, actually. There's, a, there's more to this. First of all, I guess he has a radio show. And he came out on his radio show. This was, I believe, last Friday. Um, perhaps this was, yeah, I believe this was last Friday he came out. And uh, here's just some of the comments from his radio show on Friday. Let's see if we have those. 
that with the departure of Congressman Neil Abercrombie, who is running for the governorship of Hawaii, and with the tragic and very sad passing of my personal good friend, Jack Murtha, mine is now the deciding vote on the health care bill. And this administration and this House leadership have said, quote unquote, they will stop at nothing to pass this health care bill. And now they've gotten rid of me and it'll pass. Here I read, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer said Wednesday that he was told the week of February 8th by a staff member in Massa's office about allegations of misconduct. Hoyer directed Massa to report the allegations to the House Ethics Committee within 48 hours. Steny Hoyer has never said a single word to me at all, ever, not once. Not a word. This is a lie. It's a blatant, false statement. But when I voted against the cap-and-trade bill, the phone rang, and it was the chief of staff to the President of the United States of America, Rahm Emanuel. And he started swearing at me in terms and words that I hadn't heard since that crossing the line ceremony on the USS New Jersey in 1983. And I gave it right back to him in, in terms and words that I know are physically impossible. I told him to do things that I know the human anatomy cannot do. There's no doubt in my mind. And then it got quiet. And I said, Rahm... Let's have a conversation. You pretend that you're the acting, you're the, the chief of staff to the President of the United States of America, and I'm a sitting member of Congress. And he said, there's no reason for you to swear at me. I said, you're the one that unlit on me first, and I'm going to give as good as I get. So if Rahm Emanuel wants to come after me, maybe he ought to hold himself to the same standards I'm holding myself to and resign. I've had union leaders tell me point blank, we are not going to contribute to your campaign unless you vote for this health care bill. Is that or is that not a bribe? At the heart of everything we face in this country today, at the heart of the destruction of our democracy, at the heart of our inability to solve our problems, at the heart of the inability for us to actually pass to the next generation of Americans something greater than we receive from our parents, is the incredible corruption of money in politics today. It makes me weep when I realize our nation is being destroyed from within. But I will not go quietly into the evening. I will not be ashamed of my actions other than the fact that I used inappropriate verbal, B-E-R-B-A-L language. And I was set up for this from the very, very beginning. If you think that somehow they didn't come after me to get rid of me because my vote is a deciding vote in the health care bill, then ladies and gentlemen, you live today in a world that is so innocent as to not to understand what's going on in Washington, D.C. He's right. The leadership of the Democratic Party have become exactly what they said they were running against. They have become exactly what we all ran against. You cannot effectively govern this country without the consent of the governed. The entire nation has said, let's rewrite the health care bill. Let's find what we can agree upon. No, 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 no. We're going to ram this down the throats of the American people, and anyone who stands in the way of doing that is going to be smeared, and they're going to be kicked out of Congress, and we're going to have people like Steny Hoyer lying in the press. So here's the reality. At this point, nobody knows. Nobody understands. You can't sift yourself through all the various details because of things like the Nebraska Compromise, because of things like $100 million to build a hospital in Connecticut. Because of one little line item stuck in, the American people have lost faith in this piece of legislation. And if we pass this bill using reconciliation, it will tear this country to pieces. It will rip this country asunder. And we, I have made this argument over and over and over and over again with House leadership. I have said, we 
are supposed to be, as Democrats, the party of unity. We are supposed to be the party that builds consensus. We're supposed to be the party that governs equally, with, without malice towards anyone. We're supposed to be the ones that find the solutions, but instead of actually trying to find the solutions and writing a piece of legislation that will get you a 90% solution with 70% agreement among the American people, they are going to ram this bill down the throats of this country, and it is going to rip this nation politically to pieces, and it'll be a generation before we recover. He's right. I don't really disagree with anything that he said right there. It is, the guy has come out and he has made it clear that he did something inappropriate at a function that was away from Congress. He did something that was inappropriate, I guess. I mean, he made a comment while he was drunk. I think we've all done that. And so then he brought it up, I guess, then there was an investigation and now he's being forced out the door. And why? Again, because he's against the Obamacare bill. Makes sense to me, huh? Yeah, so much for the party of the people. Well, we're the part. We've got unity in our party. No, you've got a lot of people in your party that are against this bill. There's, he's not the only one. That Bart Stupak, he's against the bill too. And you know why he's against the bill? He's against the bill because he doesn't like the fact that the government is going to be paying for abortions. He doesn't like that idea. He doesn't like the idea of the government, of, of a government handout to somebody that gets pregnant and, uh, you know, wants to go mount a Hoover. I think he's one of those pro-life Democrats. There are actually are a few of those. Not many, but there are a few of them. Well, you can see what's happening, though. This guy, again, he's going to be made the fall guy. And then this isn't all. Then he goes on here. He goes on to talk about this uh, a little bit further. Again, if you're wondering, we're, uh, we're just checking out a little bit of uh, Eric Massa, and he's uh, commenting on Rahm Emanuel and, and how he's just sort of being forced out of office. Now, he made a comment, uh, I believe this was on Monday, talking about an exchange that he had with Rahm Emanuel in the congressional gym, in the shower of the congressional gym. Yeah, not quite gay, but actually very awkward. Here's what happened there. Uh, he says that... Uh, Again, this is this is what I believe what this guy says. I don't know why I be, I just believe it. It doesn't sound it sounds too real to be made up. It sounds pretty true to me. We've already heard the type of tactics that Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid have used to sort of yeah, to sort of go behind the closed doors and try and get the uh, consensus on this health care bill. We already know that there's dirty politics going on. So do you think that a, a guy yelling at another guy about uh, his dissenting vote on this health care bill, one of the people in their own party, do you, do you think that that's really that, that far-fetched? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And then Eric Massa says that this, he then recounts a story about what happened between him and Rahm Emanuel in February. And here's a little bit of that. He does, but you just said yourself that Rahm Emanuel probably has the dirtiest mouth in Washington. He has more than a dirty mouth. He has a, Rahm Emanuel is son of the devil spawn. He is an individual who would sell his mother to get a vote. He would strap his children to a front end of a, of a steam locomotive. And if he doesn't like that, he can come after me personally. Because he, Let me tell you a story about Rahm Emanuel. I was, back now. I was, in, I was, I was a, a congressman in my first eight weeks 
and I was in the congressional gym, and I went down and worked out. I went into the showers, which, by the way, I, for the life of me, can't figure out why they took all the shower curtains off the shower stalls in the congressional shower. I mean, I, the last thing I want to look is my fellow colleagues naked, but they don't have any shower curtains down in the gym. And I'm sitting there showering, naked as a jaybird, and here comes Rahm Emanuel, not even with a towel wrapped around his tush, poking his finger in my chest, yelling at me because I wasn't going to vote for the president's budget. Do you know how awkward it is to have a political argument with a naked man? That's uh, surely that, sexual that harassment. Right across to me. It's ridiculous. And, but that's, so, by the way, what the heck is he doing in the congressional gym? He goes there to intimidate members of Congress. Right. And he was very surprised to find out that I, it was a little bit more, come on, senior, you, you're going to, I mean, do you think you, after spending 21 years in the Navy and achieving the senior rank of senior chief petty officer, do you think you're going to be intimidated in a shower stall with a naked man? No, I, I think I probably would have hit him. <laughs> well, I didn't hit him. <laughs> But we had words, and he hates my guts. He's hated me since day one, and now he wins. So he'll get rid of me. And Don't this, let him win. And this bill will pass, and that'll and 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 I don't know what we're going to do in this country. I believe it. Sounds pretty reasonable to me. I mean, it sounds totally unreasonable for a guy to chase you down just because you don't agree with the president's budget and you don't agree with the president's health care policy. And so therefore, his chief of staff is going to come down and yell at you. That uh, does not sound reasonable. But that exchange right there, that sounds like something that would go on. Rahm Emanuel, he is uh, we're we've done many stories about what the kinds of things that he says, the kinds of things that he does. And of course, the Democrats, the the hardcore Obama fans, the Obama freaks out that they're going to come out and support everything because God forbid that there's anything in their party that disagrees with their idea of, oh, what a what a great man Barack Obama is. What a great man that Rahm Emanuel is. If you know, I heard I heard people say, well, you know, Rahm Emanuel is not really the bad guy here. Uh, he if Obama had just listened to Rahm Emanuel, they would have already had the health care bill passed. He is a brilliant political strategist. Yeah, he, he sure is all right. He sure is all right. If you don't play by his rules, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you're gone. We'll, uh, we'll drudge up a bunch of things. We'll gen up some stuff. We're going to try and do everything we can to push you out the door. That's what we're going to do. So what it sounds like went on here. Again, I would just love to see. I would love to see what would happen if Eric Massa had been a guy that was in favor of the health care bill. You know what would happen. Oh, they'd be behind this guy. When I, oh, wow, the guy, the, the staffer was a liar. Uh, this never went down. Uh, we can tell you this right now. Rahm Emanuel would be standing out there. Uh, he'd be the meat shield for this dude. He'd be taking uh, slings and arrows from the press for this guy. Instead, he's the hatchet man. Isn't that great? So I thought I would play you a little bit of that audio, and that's a little bit of the scandal that's surrounding it. Now, it is... There is uh, some degree of question here because, well, the guy made a lewd comment at a party. So therefore, he has no credibility, I guess. He's a disgraced congressman. He said he'd like to F some other dude at a party. Even if that, even if it's totally true and even if that did happen, which uh, again, he says it did. Even if it went down like that, okay, you know, maybe that's a little bit inappropriate. Does that invalidate everything that he just said about the party though does it invalidate the fact that the party is doing everything they can to push through a health care bill that most americans are opposed to we have this 
It is a new Rasmussen poll that is out as of yesterday. And it says 53% of Americans are against the health care. They're against this universal health care crap. They're against the Obama plan. They're against, they're just done. They're, they're against it. With 41% saying they are, they strongly disapprove. 42% are in favor. So it's 53 to 42 in this latest Rasmussen poll. And I'm sure somebody, uh, whether it's Randy Rhodes or Tom Hartman, or somebody's going to dig up a poll that says otherwise. Somebody's going to dig. But you see, it's getting harder and harder for them to find a poll that supports their facts, that support that supports their ideas. I could go right now. I could I could type in Google. I could type in Bing or whatever right now, and I could pull up seven different polls that show anywhere from 50 to 70% of Americans being against this. And they're not all from Fox News. In fact, most of them are from what you might consider to be either centrist or even leftist polling outlets. They're not just from Zogby, even though I I consider Zogby pretty good, but they're from CNN, USA Today Gallup, uh, you know, CBS. They're from all sorts of different places, and they all sort of support this idea that a majority of Americans, even though they say, oh, well, the majority of Americans, they want this. No, the majority of Americans do not want this because the majority of Americans understand that there's not going to be any sufficient money to pay for it. And that's what Eric Mass's main problem with this was in the first place is that there's no money to pay for it. That was the first question I had about this health care plan when it came out. My first question is, where's the money going to come from to pay for it? And then I had about 700 questions following that. Most of those revolved around how you're going to regulate the insurance companies. How are you going to regulate the pharmaceutical companies? Oh, we're not going to regulate them. See, this is the problem. This is the problem. As it is right now, they're giving money. The insurance companies, to, to some degree, are actually going to be benefiting from all this. They're against it in a sense. And pharmaceutical companies are against it in a sense because there are some regulations against them. If there weren't, they'd be on board because then the government and and private industry could walk hand in hand. And you know what happens when you get that? You know what happens when you get the government and private industry walking hand in hand when you get them cooperating with one another? You get socialism. That's what you get. Congratulations. And actually, um, socialism is only a stop on the road toward fascism. And that's what I've been arguing for many years is what's happening in the United States. The United States is walking the path. Not, I mean, socialism is, is there. It's on the way. It's a stop. But after that, then you go a little bit further and then you get government-owned industry. You get fascism. Just keep walking down that road. Just keep right on going. We'll see. I hope it doesn't come to that. Then we have this. I wanted to bring this up, too, since we're talking about people. Uh, Newly anointed Ways and Means Committee Chairman Sonder Levin from Michigan. He has repaid a Maryland property tax credit Friday that uh, he should not have received, his office confirmed. Levin, who owns a home in Chevy Chase, Maryland, received a $690 credit on his most recent property tax bill. The result of a Montgomery County program that provided one-time credits to residential property owners in the 2009-2010 tax year. 
Levin, who purchased the home in 1977, received the tax credit, although it was intended for only owner-occupied properties, and he doesn't even live in the home. The credit reduced his tax bill to just under $9,500. Quote, this is not a tax credit that Representative Levin applied for in an abundance of caution. He has paid the full amount to Montgomery County to correct their mistake. Again, a little bit of a problem with uh, taxes. Now you might say, ah, well, you know, it's, it's what it gets, 700 bucks out of it. I mean, that's really not a big deal. And then he paid it back. Yeah, he paid it back after somebody noticed. Of course, it's not nearly as egregious as Timmy Geithner, who, of course, had a little bit of a problem using TurboTax correctly and thus didn't pay his taxes for, well, I don't even know what he wound up owing in taxes, but it was a ridiculous amount of money. Or some of the other guys that just were tax cheats, blatant tax cheats. So this isn't like something that big. This is almost kind of considered an oversight, but the problem here is that this is a guy that sits as the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. And for those of you that don't know, the House Ways and Means Committee writes the tax codes for the United States of America. So I think any kind of tax oversight by somebody like that, it just, number one, it shows that our tax laws are all screwed up. And number two, it demonstrates that this guy um, really probably should have been paying a little bit more attention. Sounds like it to me anyway. All right. That was a fast segment. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. MichaelGraff.com for more. Been scared and lonely. I myself in something wrong with you. What you're listening to right now is this thing that we do called Michael Graff in Exile. Coming up, we got to talk about Ben Roethlisberger. He has found himself in trouble once again. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are not too happy about it. Speaking of sexual harassment, he's facing a sexual battery charge. Is this a case of a woman looking to get into the deep pockets of a professional athlete? Or is there some legitimacy to it? It's a question. It's called a tease. I teased that going into the last segment, and I'm teasing it again. See, that's a double tease. I'll be appearing at Babe's Cabaret. All right, we'll take a break. More coming up.
final segment, Michael Graff in exile on a Tuesday. I'll pick a slot machine and lose it all again. But when I walk away, someone else always wins. All right, michaelgraff.com, all the information relevant to this program. I will remind you, as I do at least two, three times a show, that of course, mike at kmgx.com, not only the email address for me, but it's the PayPal address also. So send money. I'm such a whore. This was going to be the new theme song, but I decided to stick traditionally. So, Big Ben Roethlisberger, two-time Super Bowl champion. It is important that we point that out, I guess. And for my money, one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. I know, I just committed blasphemy because I dared to say that. But he's found himself in some trouble again. And I say again because it was just about a year or a year and a half ago that he was being uh, accused of rape by a woman. A very serious charge, of course. One of the most serious you can levy against somebody. And in that particular case, um, that story just sort of disappeared. And nobody really took it all that seriously. The Steelers were behind B- Big Ben. Most people were behind him because it clearly looked like a situation where a woman just saw a professional athlete and decided to try and get into the deep pockets. It happens a lot. It happens more often than you think. And there are a lot of women that try to do that. So before this turns into a Ben Roethlisberger bashing fest or a male bashing fest, let's be sure to understand that this goes on quite often. You might remember that stupid broad Kate Faber back there in, uh, in Colorado. And I will always use her name because that is, uh, that's exactly what happened there. Kate Faber had sex with Kobe Bryant, consensual sex with Kobe Bryant, and then decided that, oh, maybe I could have a relationship here. And Kobe said, uh, no, sorry. Uh, no, you were just, you were a nice little fling there. She couldn't believe that. So she decided to go the rape card. And of course, once she uh, learned that Kobe has a lot more money than she does, a lot better lawyers than she does. Oh, and the fact that she completely made up the entire thing, she decided to drop the charges, especially because there was no evidence to support it. In fact, her character was called into question. She turned out to be a little bit of a slut, actually. She had been with several different dudes before and after Kobe. So there was really no way to substantiate whether or not her story was really true because her character was being called into question. And in a case of rape, character of the person does kind of matter. It's not the only factor, but then that's when I, I dared to bring up. And I, man, I took a lot of crap for that when that story came out. I got so many angry emails. People say, how could you ever say her name on the air? Because uh, I was one of the few people that did. I found it. And then I, uh, there was a, a document that was accidentally released for like two seconds. Her name got out and I ran with it. And I said, oh yeah, Kate Faber. And there was only like one other radio host 
in the country that would dare uh, say her name on the air. But I don't care. I never cared. Because about 48% of all accusations of rape that go on in this country turn out to be false. That's almost half. So while I believe rape is just one of the most horrendous crimes, in fact, I really believe it should be a capital crime. If you actually participated in raping a woman, then you should be killed. Period. That's it. Game over. There are so many people right now that I would love to see the death penalty brought down, the hammer of justice brought down on their heads because they've raped people. There are people I know that have been raped. And I would love to see the people that did it. Uh, I would love to see them. And not, I don't want to just see castration. Castration is way too good for people like that. They need to be killed. I mean, yeah, castrate them and then kill them, I suppose. But some people are like, well, that's just barbaric. We should just chemically castrate them. No. Chemical castration, that doesn't work. Because it's not about the sex for people that rape most of the time. It's about the control. It's about the power. They don't even need a penis to rape people. Sometimes it's about having a woman in a vulnerable position. It's not... Some guys, when they rape women, this is absolutely true. Some guys, when they rape women, do you know, they don't even, they don't even achieve orgasm. They don't do it for the... For the some, of course, some people do. Some people do it for the sheer sexual gratification. But this, the part of the sexual or as part of the gratification in doing it is just the power and the control and, and, the, and, and being the dominator, being in control of the situation. It's a sickness and it's not something that can be rehabilitated, just so you know. And that's not Michael Groff telling you that. That is psychologist after psychologist after psychologist and psychiatrist after psychiatrist that are saying the same thing. They, they tell you all the time, rape cannot be rehabilitated. It can't. It's just like child pedophilia. You cannot just cleanse somebody of those thoughts. It's a sickness that's within their mind. It's something that got ingrained in there a long time ago, usually because they were raped or sodomized or whatever as a child, and then they, they something happens, and it continues. It's a psychological trauma that has continued, and the spiral, the cycle continues. So yes, before you think that I'm light on rapists, I believe that it should be a capital crime. If, if... There is proof beyond a reasonable doubt that you, in fact, did it. Or if you get lucky and somebody just admits to it. I mean, if they admit to it, the judge should just pull out a, a 357 right there and just boom. Next case. Clean up. Clean up in the courtroom. Yeah, they could just put, <laughs> they, they could just put them like over in a little booth. And, uh, you know, enclosed. And the judge can just pull out the magnum right there. They could hand it to the victim and let, let the victim do it. That'd be fine by me as well. I know it sounds barbaric, doesn't it? Sounds barbaric actually issuing the justice back to the person. Now, of course, uh, I know other people say, well, why not let them live and let them live in prison? Because, you know, rapists aren't treated well in prison. And I can see that. But, you know, part of me kind of goes, eh, but then my tax dollars are, are being used to keep a worthless piece of crap alive that can't be rehabilitated. A guy that robs a liquor store can be rehabilitated. A guy that, that is a, a thief 
can be rehabilitated. A drug user can be rehabilitated. Why drug users are in jail in the first place, uh, that's another story. But they, those can all be rehabilitated. At least to some degree. Rapists cannot. Pedophiles cannot. So I'm not light on this at all. But in the case of Ben Roethlisberger, let's understand the first time that he was accused of it, it was clearly somebody that was going for a deep pocket, okay? Now there's another uh, allegation that comes from, where is this, uh, Millage, Georgia or something like that? He was uh, down there apparently and uh, hanging out with a, with a chick. His bodyguards are around. And the woman uh, says that he touched her inappropriately. Now the charge that's actually being brought against him is not rape. It looks like the charge that's being brought against him by this 20-year-old, the charge that's being brought against him by this 20-year-old uh, community college student or college student uh, is sexual battery. Now, Georgia is an interesting state. They, they have only two types of sexual-related crimes, I guess. They have rape, and then they have something called sexual battery, not sexual assault, which is a different crime altogether. Um, at the risk of getting into too much legal minutia, I'll explain the difference. I think we all know what rape is, okay? But sexual battery, according to the Georgia state law, consists of unwanted, inappropriate touching of the inner thigh, of the, uh, of the intimate areas, the genitals, breasts, etc. cetera. Uh, basically, it's fondling. Um, so that is sexual battery. So Ben Roethlisberger probably got, uh, at least according to her, got a little bit frisky. And that was pretty much where it ended. I guess uh, then she eventually got away from him and everything like that. But he has a group of bodyguards that are around him at the time. He has a lot of people that are with him, uh, a whole little entourage of, I, I can understand why. Everywhere he goes. And apparently, uh, the other side here is that never even happened. Now, I don't know how to think on this. I don't know exactly what to believe. Part of me just thinks that this is a situation where Ben Roethlisberger, even if, even if he's totally innocent here, this is a guy that clearly puts himself in a position to, to well, he, he just, he's putting himself in a bad place here. And he's had a, now he's starting to get a history. Like the first time it happens, it's a fluke. Then the second time it's becoming a trend. It's becoming a little bit less fluky. And when you put your, and, and these are the only two incidents that we know of. There could have been other times. See, for everyone that's written about, you got to assume that there's at least been five times where he's put himself in a bad position, but nothing bad has come of it. Professional athletes do this a lot. Sometimes uh, they do it and they, they think they have a sense of entitlement to women. They think because they've had a sense of entitlement about everything else. So they believe they have a sense of entitlement when it comes to females. When it comes to special treatment in any situation, they believe that they're VIPs. They buy into their own hype. I'm not saying Ben Roethlisberger did that, but I'm saying that there are a bunch of professional athletes where that has happened. It's ha it happens all the time. In this case, so uh, part of me thinks, well, I don't know. But then you read more about this woman. She, uh, then she dropped out of college to go back and live with her parents after this incident. 
Well, now, I don't know. What does that say? There's some question marks here. We haven't heard anything about uh, the alleged victim. We haven't really heard anything that uh, too much Kate Faberish about her, which would imply that this is the kind of woman that does this sort of thing on a regular basis. On the other hand, it seems that um, from Ben Roethlisberger's side, uh, it seems that a lot of people that were around him are denying that this happened as well. And I'm probably, I'm probably just going to have to side with Big Ben here, except I will say, again, he is an idiot. He is not a smart guy. I mean, if it happens one time, maybe you finally decide to say, all right, I'm not going to put myself in a position where this is going to happen again. Remember, this is the same Ben Roethlisberger also that in the offseason decided he was going to go out and ride a motorcycle without any kind of protection on. He has this big, lucrative NFL contract. He's finally made it to the NFL. He's a quarterback on the Pittsburgh Steelers, something that most people would kill to be. And yet he goes out and, and does something dumb like, I'm, I'm a man, you know, I don't need no helmet. I don't need pads. Protect. That's for pansies. I'm, I'm Big Ben. You give me time and, and I'll, I'll beat you. I'll kill you. That's what everybody says about me anyway. I'm better than everybody. You like my Ben Roethlisberger impression? It's, it's, it's pretty good. I don't even know what he sounds like. All I know is that that's a really stupid thing to do. He's not smart. He did do something smart, though, when he hired the lawyer that got Ray Lewis out of a murder charge. So uh, he's, he is, uh, he's got that... That base covered. I think he's going to be okay. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are not happy about this. And I can imagine why. This is, as painful as this is for me to say, it's an organization that has been, generally speaking, has been a classy organization throughout the history of the NFL. And they have, generally speaking, had classy individuals on their team. Regardless of how I feel about the Steelers as a franchise, you know, from a fan standpoint, they are, a, it's not like they're the Dallas Cowboys, okay? It's not like they brought in a bunch of crackheads. It's not like they had a bunch of people that were out there, uh, you know, bringing guns into the airport and, and all these other kinds of things, Barry Switzer. It's not like they have a bunch of douchebags that, you know, you just want to beat pound and pound with a shovel, Michael Irvin. It's not like they have a bunch of people that just make you want to projectile vomit, Deion Sanders. You know, so I, uh, I have to tell you that I, um, I can see why they'd be upset. You have your franchise quarterback who now this is, the, this is the third strike against him. This is three incidents and two Super Bowl championships. Uh, part of it goes, well, you know, listen, I mean, we, we have two Super Bowls with him at, at the helm. But is this exactly the kind of thing you want your franchise name being dragged around? Do you really want to be uh, starting to, you know, become like the Cowboys where you have a bunch of idiots on your team? I mean, don't, didn't you tell this guy, didn't you sit, them, sit him down after he had the motorcycle incident and said, all right, look, here's how, here's how you have to be an NFL quarterback. This is what it is to be a franchise player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the type of behavior that you need to follow. And then after the first incident with a woman, then somebody probably pulled him aside and said, listen, we believe you. This is a woman that was just looking to be a gold digger and she was just trying to, she was trying to not get in your pants, but in your pants pocket. And, but, but we still have to sit you down and talk to you about a few things just so you know, try to, 
keep yourself out of being in that position in the first place. We're going to have some security detail walking around with you if that's okay. And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to we're going to teach you a little bit how to be a professional athlete. And um, you know, it's you can you can carouse women and everything, but uh, you should kind of we're going to give you a little a few pointers about keeping away from the uh, from the bat crap crazy broads. All right. That's what we're going to have to do. And then after this incident, they're probably like, all right, look, you're officially just an idiot. I can only imagine uh, the, the phone call that he's gotten from, from Steelers Brass, if he's gotten a call. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has. I'm sure somebody from the Steelers front office has called this guy up and said, oh, hey, Ben. Ben, yeah, just, you know, um, just wanted to give you a little talk here. Just, just wanted to see how it's going. You know, we heard you had another little incident with a woman. Are you an idiot? Are you the dumbest human being on the face of the planet? I mean, I realize, you know, you're, you're supposed to be a, a quarterback and everything. You're supposed to sort of be our franchise. Yeah, we have a little problem with the guy that we're paying all this money to and that's sort of the face of the franchise running around getting in trouble with broads, uh, you know, down there in Georgia in the offseason. You think maybe you could sort of, uh, you know, I, I, we, don't, we don't care if you go out and listen, we don't care if you F every chick in the state of Georgia as long as they're not the bat crap crazy chicks. You know, I, we, you could be Will Chamberlain for all we're concerned. Uh, you could have 20,000 chicks in, in, you know, 20 years. We, it doesn't matter to us. Uh, but, uh, you know, could you just try and stay away from the stupid ones? <clears throat> could you try to stay away from the especially stupid ones? Thanks. Thanks. Steelers management out. So I, I, um, I just wonder, I wonder about this. All right. Well, uh, that's, that's the, <laughs> that's the situation with Ben Roethlisberger. I thought I was pretty objective. I actually, I'm probably in his corner on this as there hasn't been any evidence that has come out as of yet to make me not in his corner. I know. See, I, I can be objective just because I don't like him as a quarterback doesn't mean I don't, uh, doesn't mean I, I'm going to be against the guy in this kind of a situation. Oh, and, uh, I, oh, I had to, this was a story I was going to get to last week. I never got to this. So now the Obama administration, we've talked about how uh, they have uh, re-upped the Patriot Act. That's all done very quietly, by the way. Under the cover of darkness, under the veil of the media not reporting it, Patriot Act continues. And one of the things that they want to do is they want to monitor internet communication much, much more so. They want to start looking at emails. They want to start looking at communication that's going back and forth uh, across. Uh, no, 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 no. We're not talking about Al-Qaeda. We're not talking about monitoring websites where there's known chatter, as it were. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about snooping around on Verizon and Quest and... Cox and everywhere else. Time Warner. Just, you know, taking a peek. Doing so without any warrants. That's not the only aspect of it. The internet side isn't the only aspect. Uh, they want to be able to do these, uh, these little sneak and peeks, as they call it. A sneak and peek is where somebody from the, some, some federal agent can just come into your house while you're not there. Take a look around. See what they can find. They don't need a warrant. They don't need any kind of permission to do this. I thought this was the kind of stuff that they were afraid was going to happen under the Bush administration. 
Strange how it happened in the Obama administration. And you know what's funny is all of those same talking heads that were so afraid of it happening in the Bush administration. We were all losing our rights left and right, man. We're just, our constitutional rights are being uh, eroded every single day. Uh, but now they're not saying that kind of thing now. They're, they're extremely quiet. Either because they don't know that this is happening because their little CNN and MSNBC, Keith Olbermann, he's not out there reporting it. Chris Matthews, he's not reporting it. He's still getting a tingle up his leg from Barack Obama. He still can't believe the guy's black, for God's sake. Couldn't believe the guy was black, so how could he ever believe that the guy could be sneaking and peeking? Well, black people don't sneak and peek. That's not what goes on. I'm getting a, now I'm getting a tingle in my inner thigh. I think Ben Roethlisberger's nearby. I, I'm, I'm just, I would like to see a little objectivity. I understand you're a talk show host. I understand you're a talking head. I understand you have an opinion and fine, stand by it. But when you see your guy doing something that you've criticized the other guy in the other party for doing, maybe you should turn around and criticize your own guy for doing that. It might be nice. It might be a welcome change of pace. And maybe it would stop the polarizing political discussion that we have in this country. It would stop the polarization because we are becoming more and more polarized all the damn time. And you can sit here and say, well, Mike, I mean, you've just talked about Obama today. You've talked about the administration. You've talked about. Listen, I'm, I'm supporting Eric Massa. He's a Democrat. He's said other things that I've disagreed with, but this is a guy that's being forced out of the party because he's not playing ball with them. He's not playing by their rules. So I'm supporting the guy. I would support anybody that, that said that. See, I don't have a dog in the fight here. I'm not, a, I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. You know, I want to get into this a little bit too. Speaking of registered uh, Republicans, Democrats, et cetera. And we'll talk more about this probably on tomorrow's podcast. But you know this guy that was uh, this metro rail shooter, this, uh, what's this guy's name, Bedell? Uh, this guy that went and uh, he got off the metro rail and he got off near the Pentagon and uh, he just started shooting at the, uh, started shooting the place up and a couple of guards there returned fire and killed him. And just like the Joe Stacks of the world, he left behind a manifesto and he had a, big pile of podcasts and things that were up on YouTube. He has a, a whole litany of things that he has said about the government. And <clears throat> some of the things that he talks about in his manifesto, and maybe we should probably, this is another manifesto we should read. Maybe we'll read some of this tomorrow. Some of the things he talks about in his manifesto, I, I have to tell you now, the guy is a nut job, just like Joe Stack. He's a guy that flipped out and flew a plane into a building. This is a guy that flipped out and went and shot up the Pentagon. But there is information. There is something to be learned from people like this and not just don't hang out with crazy people. No, this is a, another case of a guy that while he is crazy, there are some things that he says that are valid. You can learn from nut jobs sometimes. And this is a guy that teaches us a valuable lesson. But before I get to that, let me just mention this. Just like the Joe Stack situation, it's very strange how quickly people want to make this a political issue. And it's like Chris Rock, as Chris Rock once said, why can't people just be crazy? Whatever happened to just plain crazy? And if we're going to have a little truth, we're going to just, let me give you the truth about this guy. First of all, I've, I've heard many people, I've heard, uh, the, again, the Tom Hartmans and Randy Rhodes and Mike Malloy's and a bunch of people on the left, uh, the Rachel Maddow's, 
that have tried to paint this guy as another tea partier, as another one of these, uh, one, another one of these nuts, you know, that not even nuts, just another somebody that's on the right, some a conservative guy that went nuts and shot up the place. And this just shows you that conservative uh, extremist conservatism is dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about how, oh, yeah, you see another guy that doesn't want to, anybody that doesn't want to pay, uh, pay taxes, they're nuts, and they fall into the same category as people like this. Yeah, if you're against higher taxes, now you're being lumped in with Joe Stack and this loon that went and shot up the Pentagon. That's the kind of thing that these people are doing now. They're doing like this very, very bizarre association. Well, I, I don't really want to pay 75% taxes. Well, you're crazy. You're going to fly a plane into a building. You, you know what? You're one of these teabaggers. You're one of these people that wants, to, that, that, that wants to kill everybody. You're a nut. We should lock you up now preemptively. That's what they're painting people as. I'm telling you, if you're against higher taxes, that's what they want to make you out to be. But here's the truth about this guy. Just like Joe Stack... The guy hated the Bush administration, hated it. He was anti-Bush. And not only that, he wrote uh, some, he wrote some pretty awful things about Republicans. That's not the only thing he wrote. He wrote, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow too, but he wrote about a guy in the military uh, that was going to uncover a scandal and then was suddenly killed back in 1991. And he wrote about how the government was doing that and and how uh, there's just there's no way to fight the government. So, you know, sometimes you just have to take the law into your own hands and everything like that. And, you know, what some of the, what he wrote about there was actually quite true. The, the incident that he is talking about from 1991, again, something that I, I don't really want to get into today because it's just a it's a litany. It's something that would I'd have to spend a half hour talking about. But it is something that's, that's very noteworthy. And uh, he actually, if you do a little research into what he's talking about there, uh, there's probably quite a bit of merit to what he says. But the other thing about him that you need to know, and I'm speaking specifically to people like Randy Rhodes. I'm speaking specifically to people that want to paint this guy as a right-wing lunatic. Guess what party he's officially registered with? Democrat. So before you pop off at the mouth, before you open your word holes and just start spewing out anything that's going to fly out of there to try and distance yourself from people like this, understand, well, I'm not, I don't associate Democrats with people like this, but you shouldn't be associating conservatives with people like this either. This is a crazy dude. That's the party he belonged to. Crazy. But even even though he was crazy, there are things that he says and there are things that he said in his podcast. There's some stuff in there that is, well, uh, accurate might be too strong a word, although there is truth to be found in what he says. There is information to be gathered from what he said. But see, the problem with people like this and the reason that I hate crazy people like this is not just because they go and kill people and they endanger lives, but because what happens is that anybody else that then decides that they want to be, uh, well, they want to question their government. You're a crazy person too. How could you be against health care? You know what you are? You're a birther or you're a truther or you're a right-wing right -wing extremist or you're a teabagger. Now, just because you're against higher taxes doesn't make you a bad person. And it doesn't make you the kind of person that's going to fly a plane. The kind of person that flies a plane into a building, you know what kind of person they are? 
a nut. That's who they are. Usually you can spot them a mile away. With Joe Stack, I guess you couldn't. I guess there wasn't a big advertisement that he was going to do that, at least according to everybody that knew him. But <clears throat> that hasn't stopped the lawsuits. We, we mentioned one. I think there's another one that's uh, going against the wife too. Well, that's, uh, again, uh, the Republicans have been widely criticized because they want to put tort reform in the health care bill. Tort reform sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? When the wife of the crazy person can be sued because her husband went crazy and killed people. But we don't need tort reform. I think lawsuits like that should continue unabated. We should just be able to sue people for the actions of others. So, but why not? I mean, if, if I decided tomorrow I was just going to go out and uh, I was going to go uh, to... I was going to go on top of uh, Bank One Ballpark. I'm sorry, Chase Field. If I was going to go on top of Chase Field tomorrow and uh, and and just start unloading on people, just you know, shooting everybody that walked by. Somebody turns around and sues my mom or my grandma. Why not? You're part of the bloodline. They sue my brother. My cousin that lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, gets a gets a summons. What happened? Ah, uh, your cousin. Uh, he he went he went nuts. He shot a bunch of people. Oh, what does that have to do with me? Well, you're related. We got to get money from somebody. Somebody's got to pay. Again, I, I feel sorry for anybody that was killed in this, and I, I, I feel terrible about the incident. You know, it's a horrible thing. Your husband, your wife, they go to work, and then the next thing you know, uh, some nut job crashes a plane into the building. It happens. I mean, you talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. It happens. Uh, but unfortunately, the person who you could legitimately sue is burned to a crisp. Okay? They are now one with the building or the fuselage or both. They have melted into the building and the fuselage or whatever's left of it. If they didn't just flat out, in, you know, disintegrate. Yeah, you breathe them in. They became ashes. The wife's not responsible. I'm sorry. So for those of you that are planning a lawsuit against the Stack family, uh, might want to just give up. You could just try and sue the, sue the state, of, uh, a state of Robert Stack. There you go. You go after the Unsolved Mysteries guy. He's dead, but I'm sure you could go after his family. Well, your last name's Stack. We're just going to go after anybody with the name Stack. It's that ridiculous. I, I'm sorry. I just... Again, that's why you need tort reform. Yeah. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. <sighs> All right, tomorrow... Tomorrow on the show, we'll get into probably more of this. Maybe we'll read some of this guy's uh, manifesto. It, it's He left a big thing, and he had podcasts. I haven't even listened to them yet. Maybe I should. Maybe that's something I should get into. Personally, I love listening to crazy people's podcasts. That's why I listen to mine. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm pretty sure that we could learn a lot from that guy, actually. But... All right, whatever. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. 
Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, the channel net radio. You can always hang out with us. You can always send me a message anytime, day or night, 24-7, 365. I will respond eventually. Email will be a little bit harder for me to respond to just because there's such a volume of spam. But I will eventually get to it. We're also on Facebook. I don't know. I, I've, every once in a while, I get like random people that add me on Facebook. I don't know. They they never send a message like, hey, I listened to your show or anything. They just like add me. And I, I have no idea who they are. And they're like in Tennessee or West Virginia. And then I think, how many bad things have I said about Tennessee and West Virginia? Why would somebody that lives there add me? Like pretty much every show, I do a, a story about somebody that lives in Tennessee and or West Virginia. I'm surprised they're not offended completely. We have to get to some of this stupid news uh, as well tomorrow. Here, I'll give you... I'll just give you a taste of the stupid news. Let me see if I still have it here. This is just some of the stuff. Um, Dayline, Owensboro, Kentucky... A woman in jail for public intoxication was accused of assaulting a jailer by squirting breast milk at her. That's just some of the great stuff we have in these stupid news files that we're going to have to get to. And we have to talk about the Olympics are coming to London. And uh, London police say that they're going to search your house for illegal Olympics paraphernalia. How about that? That and more coming up on uh, another edition of the uh, of Michael Graf in Exile. That'll be tomorrow. Stick around. Sure.